Parenting is hard. Few of us feel up to the task. The world is shifting, quickly and dramatically. All of us feel the changes affecting our families. The stress and pressure can be intense. We are here to help sort the good and the bad, provide insight and bring hope. Welcome to Brilliantly Brave Parenting. We're so glad you stopped by. Hi, and welcome to Brilliantly Brave Parenting. I am Pastor Brad Mathias. And I'm Robert Beeson. And we're in the studio today enjoying another episode. We're not supposed to talk about the weather. You almost I did. There. That's right. You, you definitely caught We can just say that it's nice outside right now. Oops. That was a that mistake. Was not the right one. I'm sorry. That's the one I was going for. Okay. So, Robert, we yeah. have on the screen a little historical trivia. Mm-hmm. I thought it'd be good to go back and look at some things. Uh, there's four men. Looks like uh, early 80s. A lot of hair. A lot of hair. Yeah. Who's the guy kissing the other guy there on the, the side of the Wait, head? wait, wait. Careful how you say that. Well, he's, it looks like you're kissing his cheek or whispering in his ear. I'm what? kissing his cheek. That's me. That's you. If you're trying to shame me, it's huh. not going to work. Wow. So uh, what are you doing in this picture exactly? You're kissing his cheek. Are you in a band? Or are you guys just being cool, hanging out, all in black? What is that? Yeah, we were at the beach, I think. Wow. That's pretty sweet. No, we weren't at the beach. We were doing a photo shoot for an album. Oh, it must have been this album. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, that looks Look like that. the same outfit you're wearing there. For those who aren't familiar, we have uh, our podcast on YouTube as well. And I think it would be very interesting to come and take a look at the historical archive here of Robert Beeson. Many people don't know that you have a history in Christian music that goes far beyond the label to actually being a performer. Can you tell us? I mean, I could. Inquiring minds want to know, Robert. What? So I was in a What's band. What's Utanda? Utanda. It's Zulu for he loves. And um, I was in a band for a number of years. It was more of a hobby, but it turned into a couple albums. And uh, my real passion was for kind of behind the scenes and stuff. So it was, I don't know, it was, it was actually a good experience. It prepared me for what I did eventually, because I could speak from an artist's perspective instead of just a suit perspective. So... Your uh, attempt to shame me here is not going to work. It's not shame. It's historical trivia. Mm, I just okay. wanted people to to know the depth and breadth of your experience in Christian music. If we could just get out of the immaturity zone for a sec, um, I would love to point out another picture that I happen to have here. You have a historical archive as well? I do. I'm going to show this to the camera. Who's that? That is my beautiful granddaughter. I'm a grandfather, and um, this is Lucy. And... Uh, she She's, is beautiful. She is beautiful. I thought it'd be cool to show this because of the topic we're talking about today and just families and, you know, it's messy sometimes, but beautiful things come from from messiness sometimes. So that's that, the that's the mature segue that I'd like to make. That's the mature segue. Digging okay. out of your, your, your well, immature. Well, I think what you're trying to say is that we have some pretty cool guests today on the show. We have amazing guests today, yeah. And uh, it's not... Always, like the way God moves families and the way that he raises them up Mm -hmm. is often as diverse and unique as the world. That's right. And uh, one of my- And often not as we planned. Yeah, not and often not according to plan, for sure. And I I think, you know, in the Christian culture in particular, we get stuck into uh, little small boxes sometimes. We see God just in sort of a very evangelical- uh, suburban world. Mm-hmm. And I love it when we have guests who sort of break the box and open our eyes to the way that God's moving, not only in different ways, but also uh, uniquely. And so our our guests today are definitely 
in that category, and you have a history. So why don't you introduce them to our audience? Sure. Well, I've known Spence. They're on the screen right now. Hey, guys. Um, this is Spence and Chrissy. Um, hey, hey are you there? Okay. Um, uh, we are here. Okay. Um, so I've known Spence for, I don't know, Spence, how long? Many, 20 years, maybe? Something oh, like yeah, that. Oh, yeah, at least years, for um, sure. Spence was in a band called Big Tent Revival. And um, when I was running Essential Records, he, I believe you were on Forefront, right? And so right. kind of we knew people, you know, we knew each other through the music business. And uh, he moved back to Colorado Springs to work for Compassion. I believe that's where Chrissy, you guys met, who worked, mm -hmm. you worked at Compassion already. And so there was a, there was a beautiful union coming together. But the thing I think is remarkable about this family is that they are diverse and they are a blended family. Um, both came from a, a broken marriage or a broken relationship and found each other and have had an opportunity to kind of put some roots down and, and create some healthy dynamics. So we're, we're looking forward to speaking with you guys. Thank you guys for being here. Thank you. We're excited to be here. Yeah, we're, we're really honored to talk to you guys. Thank you. So, you know, one of the things that's awesome for our audience is to hear the stories, uh, the testimonies, if you will, of God's goodness in families and in redemption and restoration, the way he renews things. Give us uh, just a quick summary of your story. How did you get to where you are today? Yeah, um, well, we like to say that we bring a combined 30 years of experience into our marriage. So um, with the last seven, almost eight being the best of those 30 years. Hmm. So but, <laughs> you know, it's, it's definitely through brokenness that we've gotten to where we are. Um, I'll start uh, my background. I came to the U S with my family when I was five years old. So we also joke that we're both from the South, but I'm from South <laughs> And, South uh, India? You said I was sorry, you broke up for a second. From yeah. South India, yeah. And Spence is from Arkansas. So a little bit different, but. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> a lot of strong cultures in uh, both families. So um, my family came to the U.S. when I was five. And so I grew up in the U.S., um, but we held true to so, so many of our Indian values and Indian cultural norms. So when we were at home, we spoke our language and we were Indian kids. Um, and my dad is a pastor also. So we lived a very strict conservative Christian life at home. And then I'm the youngest of six kids. So I have five older brothers, which makes life a little bit difficult for Spence sometimes because um, hmm. he five brothers-in-law to deal with, and then a, a super competitive wife also. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I'm the youngest, and so I grew up going to school in the U.S., and by the time I got to high school, my parents didn't quite know what to do with this girl that wanted to be an American teenager, because I'd leave the house, and I would blend in with my American friends, but then mm -hmm. I'd walk to the home and everything's Indian, everything from our language to our food to how we how we behaved. So it's it was uh So you didn't speak English at home? No, we, we barely spoke English at home. Even now when our family gets together. Wow. Um we we go between languages. So mostly it's in our language that we're speaking and suspense is trying. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you this, I know this. He's enjoying the food. What's going on and <laughs> And I, I get the verbal cues and the, the body language quite a bit, but it's, it's all good. <laughs> yeah. So I think by the time I was um, 
senior in high school, my parents, or actually my junior year, my parents were really just not sure what to do with me. And what's funny is for an American family, I would have been like the best kid because I was a student body president. I was captain of the volleyball team. I was, you know, outgoing, fun, did all those things. But for my parents, I was out of control. Mm. Because <laughs> yeah. I was doing all the things they didn't want me to do. They wanted me at home. They didn't want me, you know, being involved with anything. So funny enough, um, I snuck out to prom. Uh, oh my I, gosh, that's so funny. With a prom so, dress? Having older brothers, that was a little bit easier because I ended up having two brothers escort me to prom, you know, wow. so. <laughs> so I had, um, by junior year, they were kind of struggling with what to do with me. So uh, after my junior year in the summer, my parents um, were able to figure out a good marital uh, proposal for me. So after hmm. my senior year of high school, I graduated in May and turned 18 in May. And then I got married one, um, in July. So two arranged months after marriage, you know, I was thinking about that this morning. I always say it's semi arranged, but really it's arranged because I was 18. So my, I got um, engaged when I was still 17 years old. So my junior year of high wow. school, so in November <clears throat> and I saw my, um, future husband four times in real life before we got married in July. That's and arranged. The, yeah, that's definitely arranged. <laughs> I've made excuses over the years. And finally, I'm, this morning, I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's arranged. Pretty but much, yeah. It used to be arranged marriages where you didn't even see each other. You know, mm. the, the olden days where the uh, bride and groom would see each other on their wedding day. So that's not what happened to me. I saw my, my husband, but... Um, but your parents didn't meet till the day they got married. Yeah, my parents didn't meet till wow. the day that they had seen each other, but they didn't ever actually speak to each other. So that was my experience with marriage. And again, like I grew up with boys. I grew up super competitive. And I got married to a young man who had already gone through college and dental school. And so he had some life experience that I didn't have being an 18-year-old. living at home. Right. And never being allowed to date, you know, that was obviously nothing that I was allowed to do. So then I go into a marriage completely ill-equipped hmm. because I don't know how to communicate to a, a husband. I know how to fight with my brothers. I know how to play and um, play sports and, you know, all of that stuff. But I don't know how to be a wife. And and in the Indian culture, it's very different um, than most American families that I've seen in that the wife has a role and the husband has a role. And my dad being a pastor, there was an expectation that my mom did everything at the home, at the house. And my dad got to be the pastor. So that's what I brought into my first marriage. And um, needless to say, it didn't go so well. Yeah. But we worked hard, and I think both of us, and he, my ex-husband is also Indian, so you know he came from a, a similar background in that he didn't have a lot of dating experience either. And he didn't But I didn't know anything about extroverts, introverts, that he's quiet because he needs time alone. I just knew chaos and noise, and hmm. my expectation was that that would be my life. 
and it wasn't. So it was a, a big eye opener for me. So 15 years into it and we struggled through, through many, many things. And then finally, I, I think we reached the point where we were like, we just can't do this anymore because ultimately we were doing it to keep our parents happy. And our parents would come to us when we would tell them that we had struggles with our marriage and point out all the scriptures about how God hates divorce and how it would be wrong for us to get divorced. And it was kind of unforgivable sin. We had two, we have two amazing kids together. Um, our daughter is 22, she'll be 23 in May, and our son is 20. Hmm. And so these amazing human beings that are um, from that part of my life. Um, but we got divorced when he was in marriage, and then I got to be a single parent. Yeah. <laughs> that wow. brought a whole challenges so yeah so already the diversity there the challenge between the different cultures um adapting overcoming so that that's pretty fascinating i know a lot of our listeners whether they're indian or not are going to identify with some of the things you described for sure spence tell us about your story how did you walk into this relationship uh yeah so uh christian i've both grew up very conservative. I, I grew up definitely in the South in Arkansas. I grew up in the Church of Christ, or as they say, the Church of Christ. I grew up in the church. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, um, and it was a very conservative side of the Church of Christ. Uh, so, you know, I had, a, I had a pretty great family life. Um, you know, two brothers and my mom and dad are, are loving parents. Um, but uh, I was kind of the hopeless romantic and all this. I, I, I learned to play the drums and I loved playing the drums and all I wanted to do was, was uh, be in a band. And I you know, found a group of guys to play with that I grew up with and we formed a band and, and, and eventually went on tour. Um, and, and if you're following along in the Church of Christ, they don't use musical instruments and worship. <laughs> right. So in a Christian band is probably not a really good thing to do. Um, so, but we did it. Uh, and, uh, and in that, you know, uh, um, I met my, my first wife and, and, um, and we fell in love and got married and, and it was just a rough relationship. And, and once we ended our marriage, um, I was really kind of at wit's end because, um, of all the things that we had grown up knowing in the church and knowing the things like Chrissy said about divorce and, and everything that 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 entails that it was just it just felt shameful hmm. uh, and hard and you know and living in Nashville uh, in the Christian music community and going through something like that is just not easy at all because you feel like every eye is on you every mistake is on you every criticism is on you and so um, you know I, it was just a really weird time for me um, and. Uh, you know, uh, Chrissy and I had met because we had both, uh, worked at, had been working at compassion. Uh, we'd both gone through our divorces separately a couple of years apart. Um, and, but had always been, had always been friends and always understood each other. And, and when we finally, uh, decided to date, uh, there was something very real about the conversations that we had about our previous marriages and where we wanted things to go. And that was partly that we had been through so much 
uh, previously that we we really didn't want to go there again. Um, you know, we did some counseling uh, and and things like that, but we've always been very mindful of who each other is um, in our relationship and the respect and honor that comes with that. Um, and we've always found these places for us to be uh, very redeeming for each other. Uh, on top of the fact that coming into this marriage, uh, coming into a culture that I was completely uh, just had no idea of um, of what it was like. You know, I, I thought that I knew and, and Chrissy would be so patient with me and I would say things that just just weren't uh, culturally sensitive. Uh, unbeknownst to me, uh, and then she just kind of look at me and smile and go, you know, have that look on her face like you'll get it one day. And, <laughs> and, uh, and now it's uh, more than ever watching her side of culture is is an amazing uh, story within itself. Um, and then pairing that with my just complete white Arkansas upbringing. Uh, is a whole other experience. The the thing that we've gotten out of that, especially with our big kids and now looking at the little kids, is that we're very much a global family. Uh, we think globally. We don't think about just what happens here in the United States. We, we're concerned about what happens around the world and how our kids uh, intersect with that. Um, be it going to a family gathering with her family, which is a blast. Robert, you being the foodie that you are, would <laughs> think you're probably in heaven. I've seen point. the pictures. I know that um, I've seen your Facebook posts, and the you would, you're would. you right. I would be in heaven. Yeah, the food's great. It's loud. It's fun. It's just it's everything you want family to be. Um, and uh, it's been an interesting time. It really has taught us a lot about who we are as a couple. But always, but but also who we are as people who love each other, and understand what what our backgrounds really are, mm. um, and so that's been very helpful for us. Um, and we're constantly trying to find ways to. Um, I think we've gotten through a lot of our past and redeeming our past, but we're always looking to redeem, mm. uh, and we're always looking to uh, figure out another way to do something. I love that. Um, so just to, before I ask this question, so now you have two older kids huh? and two young, what, what are the ages of your kids, all of your kids? Priya is 22, Alex is 20, 20. Right. Micah just turned six, and Judah is four. That is really all over the map, isn't it? So I, the thing I'm, I'm curious about, because I, I'm in the same situation as, as you know, um, uh -huh. having been divorced and raising my girls on my own for a while, and now I'm married again and walking into, you know, she has three boys, I had three girls, and so I'm curious from your perspective now, how long have you guys been married? Seven and a half years. Seven and a half years. Great. What? didn't even try to answer. <laughs> I know, I know. He acted like he didn't even hear me. <laughs> okay, so here's my question. Um, what what have been the biggest challenges um, blending a family or bringing – because you guys have a whole – you have cultural diversity. You have different families, you know, kids from, from other parents. What, what are some of the biggest challenges that you face as a couple, and, and how do you navigate that? I'm asking for a friend. Um, I think probably the most difficult part was – um, 
soon after we got married, um, our kids were at stages, one was in high school and one was in middle school. So we really struggled through the middle school years with my son. And I think it was that he was so afraid of being replaced mm. by a new man in my life. And I, I think we spent a lot of time reassuring him that nobody was here to replace him or even to replace his dad. So part of our wedding vows um, was where Spence spoke to the kids and said that I vow to be your friend and to be your um, champion. That's but, awesome. Yeah. So I think that meant a lot to the kids when, when they were little. And um, so even as they've gotten to be older, older young adults, they always know that Spence is a champion for them and that he's there as a friend. And so they will often call him before they call me, especially when they know that I'm going to be mad. So <laughs> they know that Spence is always the easy, as <laughs> you can imagine. <laughs> so I think that was a struggle. But I think Spence alluded to this earlier, too, is that the kids have always known that they're loved individually. So I don't think they've ever felt a lack. Mm. So even with the the little kids, what I've we were talking about recently was that when I tell people that my big kids love my little kids and the little kids love the big kids, they're often somewhat surprised. And, and I think they, I don't know, they're taken aback by it. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I keep wondering if it's that they were shown such love, the big kids. And when the little kids came along, it's not like they were replaced by the newer, better versions. It's just new people that we get to love and we get to embrace. Mm -hmm. So I think it's just a whole different mindset when I look at our family versus other families and, and I see how the little kids hate the big kids or, or vice versa. And also my kids are older, you know, so there are times when the big kids are mistaken to be the parents for the little right, ones. And, right. and, and I don't know if you experience this too, but my big kids are like, we're never having kids. We're never having kids. <laughs> I actually do have a child. We're done like, already. This yeah. is too much work. Why yeah. do I want to do this? But, you know, one of the things that's been interesting for me is that coming into this as a stepdad, um, like she said, I never wanted to replace their dad. He's a good man and, and he's you know been a good part of their life. But um, but I've always wanted to be there to help guide them a little bit here and there. And you know, the middle school years were tough. I think that's just tough for, yeah. for most parents. Mm -hmm. to begin Regardless, with, even it's if tough. not a stepdad involved or stepmom. And so, uh, you know, there would be times where Alex uh, was definitely like just getting in trouble for not pulling his weight at school. And he's a really smart kid. Um, and and there were times where I would pull him aside and I'd say, hey, man, here's how this goes. This is why you got in trouble. So if you can navigate around this part of it, you won't get in trouble again. And he looks at me like, what? <laughs> I'm like, no, no, this is why, you know, this is how it goes. I'm telling you, don't do this. And Right. And, uh, and so we'd walk through things like that. The interesting thing that I found was, was that as Priya was coming into high school and then going into college and then Alex was going into, you know, from middle school into high school, Chrissy's upbringing in her family was so different than mine going to high school, where my upbringing in high school was more like what Alex and Priya were experiencing. Right. Where she didn't get to experience those things. And you know, at 17, she got engaged and by 18, she was married. So by the time she had a chance to be a freshman in college, she was married. So she didn't necessarily know all the different things that Priya was dealing with going into being a freshman in college. 
Whereas I had had a college experience. She, Chrissy didn't have a college experience right. like that. You know, she had to work uh, hard and very differently to get her college degree as a married person with kids. And so it was my responsibility to, to step in where I could step in and say, listen, I understand what's going on here, what your mom says and what you say, but this is, this is actual reality here. And let mm. me paint the let me so. ask a, another question that's going to put you on the hot seat, and I'm going to tell you the question so you can think about it, and then I'll give you kind of my example. What are the most challenging dynamics between you two, um, fight-wise, like disagreement, tension, that kind of thing, that, that you have to navigate? And um, let me frame that a little bit. For, for my wife and I now, we've been married, we'll be five years in a couple months. Um, she was a single mom for... Uh, five years. I was for eight and a half years. And so, as you know, you set those dynamics of how your family runs. Um, and they're pretty set in stone, right? Especially, Chrissy, I'm imagining coming from your cultural background. I mean, you have, I'm sure, a pretty good idea of how things should run. When you bring two different cultures together and um, and then just kind of put them in the same household, the way that you parented, or for, for me, I'll speak for me, the way I parented my girls was different than the way Barb, my wife, parented her boys. There's not a right or wrong necessarily, but you have to navigate that. And the reason I'm asking this is statistically, second marriages are um, way more prone to divorce. And I believe a lot of that is because we don't go into it prepared for the dynamic shift that has to happen. I mean, there has to be a, a tremendous amount of maturity to navigate some of those things. So what are some things that have caused tension in your relationship and how did you get through those? And I'm not necessarily talking any, I'm talking primarily regarding the blending process. Yeah, I think that that's a really good question. So I think the tension that we probably face the most is in how we discipline and how we affirm the kids. So for me, I, I was so young when I had my older kids that I didn't know what I was doing, but I had that gut instinct just watching my mom because my mom raised six of us pretty much by herself because my dad was in the US and um, we were waiting for visa papers. And so it took a 10 year process for our family to come to the US. Right. So my mom was a single mom. So she kind of modeled that for us. And so she was a very strong mom. And so she had strict expectations of us, of our behavior, of when you're in, our, in the house, you can be crazy. You can have fun, you can play, you can do all those things. But when we go out and we're out in the public around people, you behave. And our mom just had to raise her eyebrow at us hmm. and we would fall in line. So I think with my older kids, I was very much that mom where they would look at me if, if they were acting up in public and they knew that we would have a visit to the restroom. Um, with Spence, like I said earlier, Spence is a softie and he, yeah. him raising his voices, boys, I told you <laughs> that you're going to get in trouble. And <laughs> right. The big kids in me, we just sit here and we look at him like that. That was him warning them. And so it's like this running joke now because Spence doesn't know how to be the authoritarian or to, you know, <laughs> give them a command. You're saying he's a softie. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. It is not his personality to go in and, say, if you do this one more time, you're going up to your room or he tries, but nobody believes it. So I think that's, <laughs> that's been the biggest struggle for all of us. And 
just trying to figure that out. And I think now that the boys are, or Mike is in kindergarten, I think he's coming into it a little bit more easily mm -hmm. because he sees that, okay, I have to stick to what I say. And it's the follow through, right? For me, it, it was right. always, if I tell you something and you don't listen, I'm going to be true to my word about the third time you will, we will have discipline. And so I think Spence is starting to figure all of that out now that the boys are a little older and him being an older dad, yeah. it's such a different dynamic. The first time dad in his forties, he just has so much more grace and patience where when you're in your twenties, you don't put up with that yeah. as uh, much because I don't know. I don't know why. <laughs> So when you face yeah. that together, when, when you're feeling like maybe he's being too soft or whatever, how do you guys deal with it between you two? I mean, do you... <laughs> oh, well, she gives me the same look. She gives me the older kid. <laughs> she gives all the kids. So I get the eyebrow and then I'm yeah. straighten right up. It's all good. <laughs> yeah. Now, um, you know, she, she'll look at me and call me out on something. Uh, and then I'll come back around next time and, and, and do it better. Um, but it is, it is a struggle for me. And that I have to get through still because early on when I was just even dating in college, I I was in a couple of relationships where there was a lot of tension and there was a lot of uh, uh, there ended up being a lot of arguing and a lot of yelling uh, on both parts. And I got to a place one day where I just said, I'm not a yeller. Mm. I hate yelling at people. So if I have to be in a relationship where I'm going to yell at people, I don't want to do this. But then it's so that's always kind of been this thing for me. Uh, and it's hard, it's hard today to really just raise my voice at my, my kids. Cause I've got that sitting in the back of my head, Right. but it's just something I've got to, there are times where I lose it with them and they straighten right up, but, but it's just, you know, they are, they're, they're precious little boys and, and being a first time dad in my forties, it's, I'm very thankful to do it now. I, I don't know that I would have been as, as, a, as aware of a dad had I had kids earlier in life. Um, but yeah, it is, that's a, that's definitely a struggle. Interesting. This is yeah. pastor Brad. I'm, I'm curious. You've got two culture clashes occurring at the same time. You have two different single parent family sort of approach, two different cultures of, of life. And then you have ethnic culture clash that's occurring. So you had a lot happening very quickly when you two married. How, how did that work in the local church? Did that go through smoothly or did you guys have any bumps with that? Well, as far as the local church is concerned, when I moved to Colorado Springs here, um, I moved so that we could get married and live here. Um, we dated long distance, uh, me living in Franklin and her living here. Uh, and I moved here and we really didn't have a church home uh, at that time. Uh, we've, come, we've come into that space since then, but I think really the question that you're or the answer that you probably want to have to this question is given the dynamics of her family, her dad being a pastor and the conservative nature of, of being a, a Pentecostal Indian versus a, you know, Southern conservative uh, guy growing up and how that all looks, it, it is very, very different. Um, and we definitely had some things that really had nothing to do with any local church body it was just more of a, a being accepted into her family, uh, and then and then same with our same with with mine. Uh, not necessarily on equal footing, uh, but it took a little while for her parents to truly accept me, 
Um, cause I, they come over, uh, they don't come to the United States together. They've only come one time since, since we've been together. Um, but you know, they didn't come to our wedding. Um, and that was a big deal. That was mm. a big statement. Had they come to our wedding and the things that you have that, that I've had to learn about the cultural differences is that every decision a family member makes in this culture affects everyone. Right. And, and, and on down the line, it affects your, your immediate family. And then it affects their friends and cousins and aunts and uncles. And then it becomes a thing where you're the topic of discussion. And so for us, we had to really gingerly walk through that scenario so that at the end of the day, I am accepted. Um, with her five brothers, uh, you know, she, the oldest is 60 now and the youngest of the brothers is 48. And uh, the youngest brother, uh, you know, spent, spent time here in the United States when they were getting their visas. Uh, you know, he was here with his dad. And then you got everything in between. And so there's a lot of um, family, cultural, pol political, not like politics, right. political, but political dynamic in there that's interesting to navigate. So, yeah. And I think back to the, the question of faith and the church body, we were raised very differently. Right. So I a very different way of expressing my faith um, as uh, someone who was raised in the Pentecostal church and how I pray over my kids and, you know, the the way I pray over my kids versus Spence, who comes from a conservative background where you don't show emotion in church and, or he, you know, yeah. his experience was yeah. not showing emotion in church. So there is that clash. And so, you know, my, my older kids saw how I express faith. And so it's, it is very different from mm -hmm. Spence and to his credit, having been in a band, I think he was able to travel and see many different types of churches. So mm -hmm. it wasn't a shock to him when he'd see me, you know, kneeling and praying in the mornings or, you know, whatever it was. And for us as Indians, even this is something that most Americans probably won't know, but like in the Indian church, um, when I was young, women sit on one side and men sit on the other side. Indian Pentecostals don't wear jewelry. We cover our heads. Um, you know, all these things that are so different. And if you're in a home prayer group, you're all sitting on the floor. You don't sit on chairs. Like it's just so many different levels of respect and uh, ways that you express your faith that isn't the same for the American families or Mm -hmm. or even for how Spence was brought up, even a, something as simple as when you walk into someone's house, you take off your shoes. You don't wear your dirty shoes that you've walked all over the country in into right. someone's sacred space, right? So those are things that we take for granted. But when my American friends come in and then they ask, do you want me to take off your shoes? Of course, I'm going to say no. But, you know, as an Indian, those are things that we don't do. We don't bring <laughs> right. the pollution of the world into someone's sacred home. Um and there's yeah, something so, actually beautiful about that idea. I, I love the idea of sacred space. Your home is sacred space. And, you know, I, I, I totally get what you're saying. What I pick up kind of most about you guys as a couple is I hear and see just this mutual respect for each other and the way you were brought up and, and respect for the stories that have brought you to where you're at. And I think that's what is required to, to make a blended situation like this work is just respect and, and not trying to change the other person, but um, recognize that there is a strength and a value to each of your stories, which are dynamically different. I love yeah. that. Well, I, could, I can't help but think of the parallel that the church could learn from. Um, 
you know, iShine Ministries that's behind this podcast, we're interdenominational. So we work with Nazarenes and Baptists and Pentecostals and Church of Christ and mm-hmm. uh, all all different denominations, evangelical, even uh, high church. And so I love the fact that you guys are demonstrating this idea of what does it look like for two divergent cultures and commonalities to come together and blend. And that has to be a hint of what heaven will have to be like. I agree. Mm-hmm. And so you guys are living out this really sort of dynamic story. And I know it's hard. I know that sounds eloquent to just say, like, oh, that's really cool. But at the at the end of the day, this takes real work, real dedication, real commitment to your faith and to each other to get through it. And I think that's a huge uh, example of inspiration to some of the parents who are listening to this podcast who are in this similar situation. So thank you for taking uh, the time and being vulnerable enough to share honestly about your journey. What advice in closing would you have to the the family or the the couple that's that's involved in a blended marriage or is thinking about that? Uh, I would say, I would say to be patient. You just really have to be patient with the process. You have to be very aware of what your if there are kids involved, what their lives uh, have going on around them. And I think that um, that this you have to be very present in that moment with them. Um, and most of the times, it's not that for me as being a, a stepfather in this situation. It's not to assert my authority, but to sit and listen and be there. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think um, often as parents, we feel like we're not qualified. And, and you're right, we're not qualified. There is not a parenting manual that's going to show you how to do it and do it right. Even if you read every book, your kids are going to do things differently because they haven't read the book. And they don't care. (laughs) So So it doesn't matter, but God gives you wisdom and insight. And often you just need to listen to that gut feeling of what's right for your kid. And for each kid, it's going to be different because it's not a one size fits all. And every child needs time, needs affection. And those are the things that help or have helped our children grow up to be independent young adults. And ultimately, when it comes down to it, it doesn't matter what the world says or does, because if they know that they are loved and accepted in their home, then that gives them the greatest sense of confidence of anything that I've seen. So I think it's it's consistently showing them that we are going to be there for them no matter what, if they have to call us at night because they've made bad choices, it doesn't matter. We're going to be there for them. Um, and that we're always here to listen to them and to talk to them and not to judge them because we love them. And that's what, I mean, that's what I would have wanted my parents to do for me was to tell me that they loved me and that they were here for me. So I think that's been my biggest parenting mantra is love over everything and to be present for my kids. So. That's really, really good advice, Robert. Do you have any last? No, uh, I just have, I have so much respect for you guys, and um, the authenticity that you're approaching life with is just really refreshing. So, thank you for sharing with us today and being vulnerable. And um, I just, uh, 
I'm just so grateful for you guys taking time and, and sharing so openly. Yeah. I, I, thanks Robert for saying that. I, I also want to say something uh, to you, Robert. I've always, um, uh, I've watched you walk through life in such a precious way with your girls hmm. and be so purposeful as a dad and to even come to this place to where, you know, your life centers around parenting kids in a healthy way and, uh, and everything around solo parenting and everything that you've done to redeem that side that, that I've gotten to see and all of your friends have gotten to see has just been one of the biggest encouragements to a family like ours and uh, for a guy like me who has you know, lived in Nashville and been in the industry. And I think that you have walked through things so great. And, um, and I think at the day, uh, one of the things that we really pride ourselves on when it comes to our kids, and it really came out of a frustrating point for us, is to say to love God and love people is the most important thing that you could do. Hmm. And everything else, what, what churches we grew up in, what we believe going up, doesn't really matter right. when it comes down to just loving God and loving people. So I just want to thank you guys for, for having such a uh, dedicated podcast to parenting and to, uh, to just giving people a little bit of relief and hope through all this, too. So thank you so you. much, Spence. That's very kind of you. And uh, again, thank you so much for, for sharing with us today. Yeah. Thanks, thank you, guys. You. Uh, we are grateful uh, for people like you who are blazing trails forward and uh, illuminating the darkness, if you will, for others who may feel stuck or trapped or lost in their marriage. And uh, we, we really appreciate you and your message. So God bless you and goodbye. See you, See you guys later. We are excited to announce the Storms of Life study, Living Beyond Stressed Out and Overwhelmed. It's a great subtitle, Living Beyond Stressed Out and Overwhelmed. Yeah, I mean, at this point, we know that students are stressed. And for parents and pastors, it's important to know what are the top three things that are really on the minds of our kids. So Brad, walk us through what they can expect from the Storms of Life. This is an eight-week study. It has uh, video insights. It has uh, presentations from a actual youth retreat with junior high and high school students. These kids are going to learn about how their faith can help them fight back the stress that they're living with every day at school. Check it out on iShineLive.com. That is such an amazing story. I, I hadn't even thought about the fact that there were two culture clashes occurring at the same time. You yeah. know, you think about the different family styles of two completely different groups. Yeah. And then the fact that one is like really ethnically different. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everything about her. I mean, that's like a double, like, double whammy. Yeah. That's, that's not just the normal blended family challenge. That's another level. Yeah. And so much, I mean, you can just tell by listening to them, the dynamic that they have together um, is it, it's, it's very healthy. And, it's approaching things from I don't have it all worked out, but we're gonna be pay, like pay, like Spence said, we're gonna just be patient in the process and 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 work on this together and and bend where we have to and 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 but more than anything, respect where the other person has come from. And I mean, that's what just kind of oozed from that conversation for me is that you can tell that they're both very strong individuals, very different individuals. 
but they respect and love the story that the other person brings to the table. Yeah, you know, you look at the um, you look at the difference. Even I guess there's actually like a third culture clash because they really identified that one was from a Pentecostal. Yeah, uh, there's a spiritual one. There's yeah, the and then there's and then, Church of Christ, which yeah. is very conservative, reformed. Um, so you know, there there had to be a really powerful coping and transition techniques that they developed. Yeah. That were unique to their family. And the way that um, God obviously is in the middle of that relationship, um, I I would encourage anyone who's listening right now, if you if you have a blended family or you're con, you know you're about to become a blended family, uh, you're gonna need mentors mm-hmm. and support for a journey like that. And we'll make sure on our show notes to have links to to different places that you can go for help and advice resources one of them would definitely be solo parent society for people who are sort of coming out of that process and uh, also just some of the people that they've been involved with i'm going to make sure that we have links that they recommend as well that were helpful to them Uh, robert you have a lot more experience in this than i do is is there anything that you heard in this uh interview that would be like essential for a blended family to consider? I don't think anything that we we didn't cover. I mean, the, the primary thing, and the reason I asked the question is that you can't be surprised. Don't ever, if you're a blended family, don't be surprised when there's tension. Um, my wife and I talk about this a lot, that when I point out a an issue with her boys, it's impossible for her not to take that personally. And when she says something about my girls, it's impossible for me not to take and and to to be able to speak to be able to normalize that. Like that's normal. Of course, you are attached to your daughters or your your sons, whatever. And so, try to not get hung up on on the way you feel, and try to look at it from a perspective of you know we're just trying to be a better unit, and we're and I can use some coaching and parenting. Um, so the more I go, okay, it's normal for Barb to, uh, it's normal for me to feel attacked a little bit when she says something like, "Zara's not cleaning the dishes" or whatever. It's like, wait, that's my daughter. You don't talk, you know. It's that's a normal feeling, and the more I can like speak that it's normal the more it doesn't build up resentment. And uh, so, yeah. um, and resentment is like, that is the cancer that like can creep into a blended family home if you're if you're not maintaining really healthy observations and dialogue with that, so. Yeah, and I can imagine this, there's a definite dynamic between us versus them where you have, you know, sort of these alliances forming. It's subversive, where, but it can yeah. happen. I mean, I, I, yeah. I'm telling you right now, it's happened for Barb and I, and we have to be deliberate about it. And so it, it, as far as speaking into other people that are blending, it's just, you're not unusual for that to feel, for you to feel defensive. That's normal. You are you are blood with these kids. And so yeah. it doesn't mean that you should, it doesn't mean that you should just roll over and go, okay, y'all, whatever they, it, none of that. It's just like, realize it's okay. Just don't let it get, don't let it turn into resentment. Yeah, just as a closing thought, as I was listening to them talk, you know, just even the idea that he said his vows to her, mm. and then he turned and said vows to the kids, yeah. that I won't try and replace, you know, your father. I, I thought that was very considerate and thoughtful mm. and insightful. Like, this is a this is an approach to marriage that 
is really unique. It's not like just a first-time marriage. The second right. marriage is blending the redemption of Christ, the fact that faith is at the center of, of their work and their lives, the fact that he was a part of Big Tent Revival. I mean, they are living in the church yeah. and functioning as a blended family, and that's a healthy role model for families that are looking for, how do you do this? Yeah. So I, that's one of the reasons I'm so excited we had him on today. And uh, if you're a listener and you've made uh, Brilliantly Brave Parenting a regular part of your podcast world, just remember that when we say brilliantly brave, we don't we don't mean that Robert and I are brilliant and brave. We mean that none of us feel brilliant or brave or qualified to be good parents. And so we're all relying on the Holy Spirit and upon our Father in Heaven to guide us through this very important journey that's called parenthood. That's right. And if this has meant something to you, we'd appreciate you subscribing to our podcast and uh, going on to your platform, whatever it is, iTunes or SoundCloud, and and liking this. Um, and like I say all the time, it means a great deal, not only to us, but to just getting the word out. It changes algorithms and it makes our, our reach right. even broader. So go ahead and do that if, you, if you've got five seconds. And uh, thank you for being with us. Uh, we'll see you here again next week. Thanks, everybody. God bless. Be encouraged, parents. You are not alone. In Paul's letter to his son in the faith, Timothy, he writes, But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Brilliantly Brave Parenting wants to be an encouragement and support that parents can rely on. Would you consider liking us and sharing us with a friend? As a part of the Tween Gospel Alliance, we are a nonprofit organization dependent on the support of friends like you. Thanks for stopping by. We'll be right here next week. Brad, you know I'm a foodie, right? Absolutely. Okay, I want to tell you about this awesome coffee experience. It's called CJ's Coffee Culture and Community. It is a faith-run coffee culture. And the thing that's really cool about this is that they roast their own beans, they have delicious coffees, and they, they have two brick and mortar, so two coffee bars, as well as a virtual location at cjscoffeecafe.com. Here's the cool thing. They ship their beans, they ship their coffee anywhere in the world, so you don't just have to be in Texas to enjoy it. CJ's Coffee Culture and Community. Awesome. Hey, Robert, we've got some new stuff in the web store. Tell me about it, Brad. It's our very own swag. Really? Absolutely. Brilliantly Brave now has its own line of caps, cups, clothing. Yeah, everything, Mugs. man. We got swag. Dog sweaters? Uh, I don't know about the dog sweaters yet, but we can work on it. Okay. So if you're a fan and you've been listening to Brilliantly Brave and you want to share it with your friends, let them know that you're a supporter. Hey, come to our website, iShineLive.com and find out more.